This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 114. I am Peter Mitchell here with Jackson Stover, and we got a good one for you today. As always, we're going to start with some NFL housekeeping at the top. Got to touch on the Julio deal. Just a heads up, we will be doing a fantasy segment next week, getting back into the saddle. Very much looking forward to that. And then to wrap it up, of course, we're going to go into the playoffs, talk about the Lakers and Mavs off seasons, how to make their teams better, and then touch on each of the conference semifinal series. So without further ado, Jackson, Julio Jones was traded to the Tennessee Titans. Yes. Initial Kind of thoughts. disappointing. Well, this was a team that had made my shortlist and I thought it was a very realistic chance he went there, but... With the offense that they've got in place, I just don't think he'll have the value there that he did potentially in Atlanta or other teams he could have gotten traded to. Like right now, I'm looking at his fantasy season and a guy who's... From last year, he was injured quite a bit. He was injured last year, but also he was on a losing team in Atlanta and I think he was kind of just over it. I think he'll be healthier and the fact that they're going to be in playoff contention and likely have a winning record will be a little extra juice to get out there and play through whatever he's got. But this is a guy that's typically a late first, early second round pick. And I'm thinking now he's probably what a fourth, fifth rounder at best. I mean, the guy's 33. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking fantasy now. So, okay. I'm looking at him probably having, let's say he plays all 17 games. I think he's probably around a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. That's where I've got him right now. And probably fifth, sixth round fantasy wise. I'd peg him right around a thousand yards. That sounded weird. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cut that out. (laughs) I'd put him. I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving that in. I'd put him at right around a thousand yards, touchdowns. Who knows? It's a crapshoot with him every year. Yeah, but that's true. I don't like, yes, that's not the most exciting outcome for the fantasy players' perspective, but for the Tennessee Titans, I think they got better. How oh, many absolutely. wins? Absolutely. Maybe just one to two. But to get Julio to replace Corey Davis, who had a nice year, I still think that's an upgrade. And he's going to. He's going to create so much attention that will free up A.J. Brown even more. So I think A.J. Brown's stock actually goes up because of I agree. this trade. Absolutely. You're going to have teams worried about taking away Julio more so than him probably. And he's going to get a lot of one-on-one looks down the sideline. Exactly. Uh, and A.J. across the middle, I mean, monster after the catch. He'll just have more space yeah. to create. Um, another interesting nugget that came across my uh, content diet. Okay. Derek Henry has not so quietly been the best running back in the NFL the last two seasons. Yeah. Pure rusher, importance to his team. Everything that Tennessee does is predicated on his abilities. Ryan Tannehill's success is mostly derived by the attention Henry gets and the fact that he gets to throw play action. Yeah. So if I'm Derrick Henry, I see AJ Brown coming up to get a new deal pretty soon here. Julio Jones coming in, making $15 million and Tanny Hill getting paid. You got to be kind of pissed off in a sense. And you got to be thinking without me, none of these, none of these people are getting paid. Quite frankly. I mean, maybe you think that there's might any be merit the case. to that. Sure, but he's a running back. And at the end of the day, 
you're not going to get the crazy long contract with all the, you know, the bells and whistles, ridiculous guaranteed money that a guy like Julio might be getting because there's a certain shelf life that is just assumed for running backs at this point in the day and age of the NFL, where I wouldn't be surprised if Derrick Henry starts to have his decline next year. It's just almost impossible to be the top running back in the NFL for more than a few years, just because the volume of carries and the amount of punishment you're dealing out and taking, it's just tough to stay in tip top shape and continue to be the best for that long. Like I'm shocked Adrian Peterson managed to stay relevant as long as he did with how much tough running he did between the tackles over his career. True. Um, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I know recently I sent you something about running backs over the age of 25, 26, and how often they finish in the top half of like fantasy running backs. And it was practically never. Yeah. Derrick Henry is like the only one consistently (laughs) finishing up there. That's been the starter on his team for more than a few years. Right. So, I mean, Yes, I do agree with you a bit. I would also be kind of pissed off if I were Derrick Henry just because, like, man, I'm the engine that makes this team go. Um, But one other thing, I wanted to ask you about some of the receiving duos in the NFL. Okay. Where does this rank? Man, off the dome, I would say it's definitely top 10, probably pushing top five. The more you look across the league, the more you realize that teams are loaded with pass catchers like chiefs obviously kelsey and tyreek the bucks evans and godwin throw a b in there dallas they have a hell of a trio curtis samuel and terry mclaurin now d dk metcalf tyler lockett it it goes on and on thielen and delwin healthy and jarvis landry yeah it's it's really hard to decipher who the best is, so I, I'm ready. It's going to depend on uh, what Julio they get. You know, if, if yeah. they get the 2017-2018 Julio, absolutely top five. But if they get, you know, the 2020 Julio, who's pretty banged up and not the guy you're used to seeing, then, you know, maybe it's not as impressive as it might seem on paper. But I'm really curious and I hope that Julio's got more left in the tank because he's approaching 33 here, and that's usually about the the end of the, the road end. for most wide receivers. Yeah, or at least when the end starts to be in sight. One more NFL thing, and let's switch it over. Did you see the tweet from Rob Domovsky today? About Jordan Love about and how Jordan Love. everyone was trying to take him out for dinner and get lucky with him pretty much. How the whole team, they, they didn't need Rodgers. Love looked so no, great. He, I, he couldn't couldn't miss a throw, essentially. I did not see that. This is, this is Rob Domovsky's tweet. He's ESPN uh, Packers beat guy. Yeah. Wheel, what a stretch from Jordan Love wheel route to AJ Dillon. Oh yeah, this is what I saw. I was being dramatic saying like Uh-oh. they were all over him trying to just basically get in his pants. Right right side line for 30 yards. Free play deep to Lazard for 45. He's got that in his bag already. Deep corner route for 30 yards, deep sideline Aaron Jones for 30. Everyone You know what I would have loved to on. see? Is this, a video is this news this. or noise? News or it's noise? It's noise. It's noise. It's let's pump out any headline we can to make Aaron Rodgers jealous or feel like he needs to get back. And it's just a losing effort. Like, sure, that might have all actually happened the way it was described, but I'm sure someone's got a video of it and you could have just posted the video and let people on Twitter decide how great it actually was. I'm not sure if I'm the Packers. I want that leaked. Like, why would I want to piss Aaron off even more? 
Or maybe they're in the school of thought of let's try and ramp up Jordan's trade value for when Aaron hopefully does come back. I don't know. I, I thought there was a little news to that. Not purely noise. I mean, it's the sure. first time I've get, heard get like the context of what's going on. Anything about Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers is news at this point, but I, I'm not taking much stock in it. And it's the first time I have heard anything regarding Jordan Love's play. So that's fair. Maybe. I guess he had a pretty rough day yesterday is what I also saw. I that did not appear in my life. I didn't see it. I only saw it after everyone was digesting the tweet you were talking about. And a lot of media people were saying, oh, interesting to see this after love really struggled yesterday and didn't have a great first day. Yada, yada, yada. And all of that nonsense. So, huh? All right, let's do it. Let's switch yes, gears. Sir. NBA offseason look ahead for the Lakers and Mavs, two teams who flamed out both probably had different aspirations but uh yeah we, slightly different yeah we quickly learned that the teams built around these stars are not up to speed which team you want to start with let's start with the lakers i feel like it's a little bit juicier here just because you've got the lebron angle and i mean i'm Number not gonna six like, lebron i'm not gonna toot my own horn or anything but I, I did try and say like hey not sure these lakers pieces are ever gonna fit together before the season now lebron and ad stay healthy maybe this is a totally different conversation and they're off in the playoffs looking like they're gonna be back in the finals but not the case they're in deep trouble in my opinion salary wise because they've only got six guys under contract for sure, going into next season, there's a couple guys they could extend qualifying offers to, maybe re-sign, but for sure, there are only six guys under contract, and they are already with those six guys at the salary cap. So what they're looking at, veteran minimums, sign-in trades with guys they've got becoming free agents, trading Kuzma. Like There's not a whole lot of options on the table, yeah. and the deeper I looked into this, they're going to have to, the package that I think it'll be, it'll be a Kuzma Talon Horton Tucker sign and trade offer. They're, they're going to try and package them two, and they could maybe try and get Dennis to agree to a sign and trade, but I guarantee you there's no way in hell that's happening after he's been bullied by Lakers fans on Twitter for the last week. Like that is not happening with Dennis. But THT, what do you mean by that? You think he'd rather come back and like prove oh no, he's everybody? Gone. He, to hell with the Lakers. He'd rather go get a bag in free agency, and he's not going to do anything he can to help the Lakers on his way out. I think he was ready to be gone. And I, I'm sure if he wasn't already after they got bounced, I mean, he was just getting absolutely destroyed by Lakers fans. So I highly doubt he has any motivation to try and help them out on his departure. And uh, Taylor Horton Tucker on his postgame presser, he mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for my time here. It's been a great learning experience. There was no sentiment of like, can't really? wait to lock in the deal and get back. It was like, a, it's been fun. That, that was kind of the memo I got. I think with him, though, he might feel like he owes the Lakers a little bit more and would be way more open to the potential of a sign and trade. So I started looking and trying to figure out what the Lakers could really do to get back to championship contention. And I have a couple potential trades for you here. And they're all okay. based around a Kuzma package with Taylor Horton Tucker being signed and traded. All right. First one I've got here. Kuzma and THT for Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and a plethora of second-round picks. Um, I I wouldn't do it. I don't know how Bagley fits into their team with AD. 
it'd just be taking a flyer on a young guy and in all honesty, helping the caps balance out. And the thing with THT, you got to keep in mind if they are signing and trading him, it's not like the full value of him being traded. You know, it's always at a little bit of a discount with the sign and trade. So just throwing that out there, not my best offer though. So got a couple more here. Yeah, I was hoping. <laughs> Kuzma, you're not going to like this one either, probably. Kuzma and THT for Porzingis, Maxi Kleber, Terry, and either a bunch of seconds or a first. You get shooters back around Porzingis, and you hope that he can play with AD and Gasol and figure it out. Either one of the two, he'd probably be on the how, court with at all times. How would they even be able to take Porzingis's deal? Because you got Kuzma getting paid 16 mil a year, and you would probably give Talon Horton Tucker somewhere around 12 to 15 mil a year what? in his signing trade. You think he's getting that? He might get 20 mil a year by some random no. team in free agency. Yes, I'm serious. No. Someone will give him four years, 75 mil, hoping that he's balling in the back end of the deal in a bargain. <laughs> I'm there dead is serious. No it way. is an incredibly weak free agent class. Who else are you going to throw money at if you got it to spend? There's no one. He's 20 years old. He's not making $20 million. He's 20 years old, Peter. He is 20 years old. That's the key. 20 yeah, years old. That's a that's a different contract. But um, KP, man, like I want to talk about him when we talk about the Mavericks. I don't yeah, think sure. I don't think he would help the Lakers at all. I think he would just piss off Lakers fans to no avail. Man, I think they could get more out of him. And I think playing with LeBron and AD could make things a lot easier for him. You sure? Because yes, he wants to be a star. Yeah, he wants to be a star, but that's not freaking happening at this point. He's just going to have to accept that. And he'll be on one of the best teams in the league. And he'll be playing with LeBron and AD where he will have all of the space in the world around him. It's not going to be like Dallas where it's take away Luka and then also take away Porzingis. He's going to be an afterthought. I mean, guys will... Well, hell yeah, he saying, is an hey, afterthought. Let Porzingis cook if he wants to. It will be a much better opportunity for him to get the numbers that he thinks he can apparently put up. I don't love it. I just threw it out there. I thought maybe yeah, it would make sense, I, and the Lakers are over Kuzma. I don't think he's got too many years on it for me to, you know, even. Kuzma's got just as many, and it's cheaper, but it's still not good. Give um, me your okay, next one. Next, that one. This is where they start to get juicy. Okay, Kuzma and THT straight up for Kyle Lowry in a sign and trade. Um, hmm. Lowry decides, hey, I'm good parting ways, but I want to help you all on the way out. They get Kuzma and THT back. That That's a nice, I feel a like nice little package that helps to... them get younger. Lakers would have to sweeten it a little bit more. Maybe a second rounder, something okay. like that. Okay. We got I'm, a plausible on this one, though. Okay. Yes, I like this. I don't think Lowry's going to get, you know, $30 million, No, like but they could give want. him 25 Close and make the it. money match up here. Yeah. No, I and think even, that'd be great. And the thing is, even if they want it, if Lowry really wants 30 the Lakers can say, fine, we can do that. We'll just give THT a few more mil a year in the contract that we're going to give him in the sign and trade, you know, to make it balance out. I think that's something they'd be willing to do. They'd be into the luxury tax at that point anyway. So why would they give a shit? You know, they, they got more money than God. They can make the tax work. Um, I like that one a lot. Next two packages here, similar to the Lowry one, Kuzma and THT straight up for DeRozan in a sign and trade. If you're the Spurs, you do that. I think you have to. Because DeRozan's Why would you're not, you not? not going to bring him back. Exactly. Why would you not? And then the other one I've got, similar situation here, a little bit different. 
But I mean, Kuzma that was quick. They, that would make the Lakers better as well. Let's like talk about that. Okay. Substance of the trade. I think right. he fits in well. You have another playmaker. He had a career high in assists this year. Right. The only negative would be spacing. He did shoot the three, you know, a little bit better than he had early in his career and has the last few seasons in San Antonio. His game's definitely evolved, but you definitely would need to hit the veteran minimum guys and get a lot of shooters because right. that was a big issue we saw this year was the spacing, the shot making. I guarantee you there's going to be some ring chasers that go take the typical veteran minimum of to course. try and help LeBron Always. out. So they'll, they'll get a couple shooters there, but I think this DeRozan move, would take the ball out of LeBron's hands a little bit more and you could have him fresher at the end of games or and you have a guy in staggering them. Right. Right. And if you really wanted to, I'm not sure he would be cool with it, but you could bring DeRozan off the bench as a six man and he could probably win six man of the year, play 30 minutes a night and just absolutely destroy second units. I think he's still too good to be coming off the bench, but I mean, yes, I think he should be out there kind of how the Nets use Harden against second units. Okay, I like that. Last one here, Kuzma and THT straight up for Mike Conley in a sign and trade. He'll be a free agent. I can't imagine Utah lets him walk for nothing, but at this point, I think they probably like what they got in Donovan Mitchell enough that they're not going to want to pay Conley a ton. Hmm... I like I like that for the Lakers. I do think Utah is going to do what they can to bring him back. He was so good in that first round series. I'm I'm surprised just, they won I, last night. I can't make frankly, up my mind on him, him man. I, I think he's a really good player, but I don't know how much money he's worth, and I don't know how much left he's got in the tank because he seems like one of those guys that up and down in his early thirties, everyone kind of wrote him off. And then this season it was like, wait, 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 Conley's not done yet, but he's still banged up frequently. And I just don't know where his value would be in free agency. Like you could tell me that the biggest offer he gets is 12 million. You could tell me someone's offering him 22 million a year. And I would believe it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I like that if I'm the Lakers, if I'm okay. Utah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how those guys fit into the rotation, but it would just be trying to get some pieces back that maybe you could move in the future. Maybe you can fit them in, but at least you're not just letting them walk for nothing. Okay. well, whenever I look at the Lakers, I look at who is a free agent this year. Right. You appear to think that Schroeder is going to walk. Yeah, he's gone. I'm not 100% convinced. I wrote him down as a potential sign and trade candidate, but you laid out a pretty good case. Harold, okay. nine million player option. I think he's gone. Gone. Gone, gone with the wind. Wes Matthews, I can see him leaving. They, they won't bat an eye to see him leave. Jared Dudley, he's most likely gone. <laughs> uh Caruso is a free agent, and I do think he's gonna come back. They have to bring him back, man. They they really do. I, I just don't know where else they're gonna get any youth, any I don't think he gets more than like seven million a year either. I mean, he might even take like a two-year, $10 million deal just to, you know, ring chase a little bit more with LeBron and help, you know, finish LeBron's career with them. I don't think LeBron... Make $10 million playing with LeBron and being a Laker? Like, hell yeah, man. Why not? Exactly. Um, And I think they really are going to have to kind of stay on him and LeBron's going to have to maybe even do a little bit of recruiting and convincing to keep them there just because if they don't dude, they're they're really going to be hurting for these veteran minimum guys 
And we've seen with some of those Cleveland rosters, just because you got Kyle Korver and George Hill and guys that used to be pretty relevant, it doesn't mean that they're going to take you to a ship and be able to slide into the roles that you need. You need some of those young, energetic guys that are going to get out there and slap the floor a little bit and, you know, be hitting the floor fast. I agree. I think he says, I just don't see a world where he leaves, uh, especially with the favor he has with Frank Vogel. Um, so those are the free agents and looking at the free agent class that they you also got, pick uh, from, you got Morris in there. Markeith. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, mean, I don't, I don't really, he's, I think they might need to try and bring him back too, though. He's going to be better than some veteran minimum guys. Like, I know it's kind of splitting hairs at this point, but like, that's where I'm at with this Lakers roster. Like, it 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 gets really freaking thin really fast. All right, rapid fire. I have a bunch of options that they could try to pick from this summer. You just give me first thing that comes to mind. Okay. DeRozan can't afford him unless it's a sign and trade. Oladipo wouldn't touch him with the 10 foot pole. He'd have to take a pay cut, but I don't maybe. like the fit. Yeah, Drogic. That would be awesome. That could work. Agreed. Um, Evan Fournier. Mm, he's going to want too much money. I heard he's looking for 20 mil. Won't work. Danny green. Yeah. If you get him to take a veteran minimum, it would work. Ubre. Can't make the money work. I don't think can't shoot the ball. Iggy. <laughs> Iggy would be cool. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank, but that could work. Very plausible. Will Barton. Uh, I think he's going to want too much money. Um, JJ Redick. That would be pretty sick. I could see that. Yes, that one. Of all the ones, I think that makes the most sense. We'll touch on the Mavs here in a second. I don't think he has much in the tank to offer. I was going to say, after listening to him talk about the heel and everything else today on his podcast, I was kind of thinking... Man, he might be a little closer to the end than I realized. He wants to be as close to his family up in Brooklyn as possible. So That's also a good point. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to have very many teams knocking on his door. I mean, it, it might be like, hey, I can either sign with the Lakers and go try and get a ring here, or I can retire. Right. All right, let's go a little quicker. Kelly Olynyk. Yep, that makes sense. Patty Mills. Yes. Dinwiddie. No way. Can't afford him. <laughs> Uh, Norm Powell, probably too much. Lonzo, probably yeah. too much. PJ oh, Tucker. Yeah. Uh, I think PJ Tucker's about done. Exposed in this series. D Rose. Retired. Uh, I don't see the Knicks letting him go anywhere. I think him and Tibbs are going to ride it out till. Yeah, ride it out till he retires. All right. I got four more who I all think would be good, good, like. Man, you got deep. Okay. Doug McDermott. Sure. Nerlens Noel. Yeah, Forget Andre Drummond. Maybe Gasol retires. Nerlens would be good. Yep. TJ, TJ McConnell. That would be a home run for them. That's someone I mean, that they could really like use. Better Caruso. <laughs> I was about to say, he's Caruso. They can shoot it a little bit better. Reggie Bullock. He can replace Wes Matthews. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, that is the pick of the litter for them. Yeah. I, that, I mean, know. that's what they're realistically looking at. And that's kind of why I think they're just in trouble. This offseason is going to be wild on the trade front. Free yeah. agency is going to be pretty boring. Mm-hmm. And I think some teams are going to get really desperate. So those With are the Lakers potentially being one of them, man. That's why I feel really confident that that Kuzma THT package could 
very, very well end up being a thing because there's just nowhere else for them to go to really improve. Last thing on the Lakers. Is mm-hmm. there any world where they trade AD for Dame? Nope. Okay. Nope. Let's talk about the Mavs. That clutch connection is way too deep. All right. The Mavs clearly have not given Luka Doncic enough around him. They right. made a trade this offseason sending Seth Curry to to Philly for Josh Richardson. They got a pick back, which was Tyrell Terry, I believe. He was injured this year. Didn't it was really actually Tyler Bay, maybe, or maybe I think it was both. both of them. But yeah. regardless, they didn't do Jack squat. They should have kept Seth Curry, quite yeah. frankly. Right? Yeah, I, I was wrong like on that. Deal. And initially, I thought it would make sense. I thought Richardson could come in, be a little bit better of a defender than Curry, still knock it down. And I thought Terry was closer to being able to contribute. I thought he might get 10, 15 minutes a night to just knock down threes. Just stand on the wing, let Luca drive and kick and try to fill it up. But we we saw literally none of that. two years, yes, I could see it. I mean, I liked Nick Claxton. He didn't do a damn thing for the Nets in year one. I think it's kind of one of those deals. Okay. Yeah, Um, I can see that. I can definitely see that. So they whiffed on Richardson. They have, okay, the free agent class, Tim Hardaway. He's getting the bag. JJ Redick. You think Tim Hardaway stays? Yes. Or you think you think so? Yes. Man. I think he knows he's in a good spot. He's got a great creator who can create good looks for him. Part of the okay. reason he has value is because Luca created so many opportunities for him. Let me stop you real quick. Do you think Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks are willing to go into the luxury tax right now? Yes. If you have Luka Doncic putting up some of the craziest playoff performances we've ever seen, yeah. Yes, you should. Okay. You should try to win every year. I agree because if they are going to re-sign Richardson, they're going to have to go into the tax. What's but the point I of think, being a billionaire if you can't spend it? Hey, that's fair, but I just feel like Dallas is never one of those teams that you see in the in the tax on a consistent year-to-year basis. Um, but if they do bring back Hardaway, I think they have to spend all of their money in free agency first and kind of work something out and tell them, hey, Hold tight, resign once we spend the 20-ish million we're going to have to play with in free agency first. Because you don't want to cap yourself out with Hardaway and then be stuck trying to get better minimum guys, you know? I'm with you on that. JJ was making 13 mil. That's going to be off. Yep. Josh Richardson, $11 million player option. Do you He's think accepting he that, that thing. Yeah, he'd be <laughs> stupid not to. I think so too. And Nicolo Melli, I mean, he's making four mil. I don't see him coming back necessarily. I forgot he was even on that roster. Exactly. Um, so that's what they're looking at. I just named off a whole laundry list of free agents. I don't know who from that list is really swinging the needle for them either. I mean, that's... I got three. Yeah. I got three that could take them up a tier. And in my opinion make them borderline championship caliber if Luca makes another jump, which I anticipate Bro, to happen. What jump is there to make? I mean, I guess Come on. That's true. Luca's Luca. Like he did struggle throughout the regular season to a degree. I, I know that doesn't really matter. Short off season came in out of shape, but he wasn't quite MVP level, which is where I expected him to be. And I think he will be next year. So I think with their money in free agency, the three guys they're going to key in on DeMar DeRozan, we talked about him already. I think he would be great next to Luka. Like you mentioned with the Harden second unit thing Brooklyn is doing, they could do that with DeRozan. Kyle Lowry, I think he'd be a really good fit next to Luka because he doesn't have to dominate the ball, but he can if Luka wants to get a little breather and play off ball some, try and spot up more. 
Then the last guy here, and I mean, I'm knocking on wood. I hope this doesn't happen. Chris Paul, obviously, if he's there, they would be stupid not to look into that. I thought about that too, but I don't, I don't see Chris Paul wanting to take a backseat in the twilight of his career. Luca, Luca brings the ball up every possession. It doesn't make a ton of sense for Chris Paul, but I don't think it would be a ton different than what he's doing with book. I mean, I think if he stays in Phoenix, he's looking at that kind of role over the next couple seasons anyway. Like he, he's going to be on his way out pretty soon, and he knows there are other young guys around the league that they need their touches, and it's you know it's not going to be his team necessarily. I'm, I appreciate that you threw it out there. But that one's not happening. I think I, okay, well, DeRozan, good. Let's, let's cross it off then, and I don't even have to lose sleep over it. There you go. DeRozan would be the move for me. Now I have a few trade options. I'm going to throw at you. All right, let's hear them. So they all obviously revolve around Kristaps Sporzingis. Okay, if Kimba's on the list, let's just cross it off right now. I'm nixing that one. No Kimba Zinger swap. I'm I'm tired of hearing that because it just doesn't make any sense for Dallas. It makes them worse, if anything. Like, why do you need a guard that's ball dominant and plays no defense and can't stay healthy? Like, what good is that going to do? Like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Okay, then. I got three others. Detroit. Porzingis, Tyrell Terry, 2022 first rounder. Oh, we're going Jeremy Grant. That Jeremy has to Grant. be the only guy. Yeah. Jeremy Grant fetched a first from Denver. From, uh, Back yeah, in the OKC. From Denver to come to OKC. If we're being honest, teams aren't going to give up a lottery pick for him. Man, if I'm Dallas, I think I give up. I don't know if they have them. They might have to go into like 2026 here. I give up two firsts. A first and a second? I, I go two you firsts. Would do two I firsts. Think, I think that's what it would take to get it done. I think Detroit would say, hey, Porzingis is a negative asset. At this point, we don't want him. So if we're going to take him and give you back a guy who, I mean, let's be honest, Jeremy Grant was damn near playing at all-star level this last year. So for them to be willing to dish him out, I think they really got to get a nice package of young assets. And I like Terry, but. In a, I mean, a first-round pick. I think it would take two, but I would do it because if you're Dallas, those first round picks are going to be 25 to 30 range. You know, they're going to be really like early second round picks. Yeah. And if you're Detroit, you get a player who potentially is a really good shooter. He's going to add value to a young core and a first round pick for a guy that does not match up with your timeline in the slightest. So that's my first one. Number two here. OKC. Let's get this one out of the way. Tyrell Terry and Zinger for Al Horford and Gabrielle Deck. I think if we do that, and this sounds so crazy, I want picks. Even if it's two or three seconds, I want some picks. I think Horford right now has way more value to a contender than Porzingis does. What if we threw in Vasilya Micic, EuroLeague MVP? Yeah, he could come in and play. Yeah, he's got size. He can be combo guard, playoff ball, primary ball handler, whatever it is. Yeah, throw that, and then uh, Dallas would have to throw in a first, probably. Because getting off Porzingis' deal and getting Horford instead, plus the Euroleague MVP, got what two guys that make you better? Yeah, and you get off the money faster. Porzingis has three years right. left, and Horford has what two? He has two. The second's not fully guaranteed. Right. So you're opening up 
your books a year sooner to be able to make a real, real move when Luca's big money will be hitting. So, right. Yeah. If I'm Dallas, I'm willing to, to sacrifice a first for that. And I think if you're OKC and you're going to get a first back, screw it, do it. And I, I don't and another good young player. <laughs> I don't hate the idea of Porzingis because I really do think with a season or two of him, he could very well be the classic OKC turnaround guy who people looked at as having a negative contract. And all of a sudden people are going, Hey, and the right yeah, system, Porzingis is, is he's, he's not bad. Yeah, all of a sudden he's putting up 27, up. 8, and 4. His field goal percentage should go up in all reality. I don't see him ever shooting it as low as he did this last season. And I, I think, you know, playing next to Shea, that's going to help. Like, sure, playing next to Lucas should help. But when Porzingis arrived in Dallas, the stature that he was at, he was kind of maybe thought to be the bigger piece than Luca. Like, I, I really sure. think this guy, when he came over, thought it was going to be his team. And all of a sudden, he's faced with the harsh reality of not only is it not your team, no one gives a shit about you. And that's that's a tough <laughs> pill to swallow. It's the truth. I mean, they have no desire to keep him around. They they could care less. They would gladly his get his doing. money off the book. I mean, it's his doing. Well, and bad Part injury luck health. as well. Part of it is health. I, I, I think that definitely took a toll on him mentally. And it's tough to be the same guy coming back from constant injuries. Especially when you're under the microscope and fans are saying, we're paying you all this money. We traded these assets for you. How the hell are we going to let the Knicks win the trade? Like that, that all weighs on you. And I'm sure he's not one of those guys that just doesn't care. I mean, it seems like it has gotten to him. Last one. Okay. Zinger, Tyrell Terry, common piece here. Yeah. And a second round pick for Kevin Love. That is one I also have. And I think you could just go zinger for love straight up. I don't straight think up. so. I don't think Why? so. Because one, Porzingis, his contract is descending. They're going to both make right around $31 million this next season. Right. But then Porzingis goes 33-8 and then 36 player option. Yeah. That's three years. Kevin Love, 31 next year, 28 the next, free agent. So you're getting a full year off. And he's going to make a descending amount. Yeah, but if I'm Cleveland, I get a younger guy that could actually end up being an asset, could actually help my team out, might actually rub off positively on the other guys instead of a dude who's throwing it to the other team on an inbounds play because he's just ready to lose and get the game over with. Like, If <laughs> I can get Kevin Love out of there with even the potential of having a fringe asset back, I do it. I think Porzingis for Kevin Love straight up would be better than any offer they've gotten the last year and any offer they will ever get for him. Okay. I would do it. I think that one would be a home run. I think he would be kind of fun in Cleveland and Kevin Love could get a chance to revive his career, play meaningful minutes in Dallas and actually contribute. I think getting off that third year where Porzingis makes $36 million is worth a lot. I agree with you. I agree with you for sure. And ideally, those are going to be your championship years with Luka. You know, if things go according to plan, by that point, you should be expected to be in the NBA Finals. And having to pay Porzingis damn near $40 million will make it a little bit tougher to do that. Totally uh, one, agree. One other thing I got on the Mavs, I'm not as sold on Hardaway re-signing. I think they might have to do it just out of a lack of options and free agency. But if they could somehow sign and trade Hardaway... Maybe they call a team like the Celtics and they say, hey, give us Marcus Smart, Romeo Langford, and Grant Williams back and we'll throw you hard away in a cool. couple of seconds. I think it could help both teams. 
you know, Dallas gets some young guys, some pieces that they can put around Luka. You also get a defender in Marcus Smart who's going to bring really high energy. Could probably run the second unit for you. Him and Jalen Brunson, you know, one-two punch in the second unit. That could, that could be kind of fun. Like, I, I really think that would help the Mavs and help the Celtics. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out. I do think they're 100% going to try to extract value somehow because we saw the Kings not bring back Bogdanovich this year. <laughs> How I mean, stupid does that look right now? It looks so bad. Like, teams are getting smarter for the most part. I think Cuban, he's he's been around the block. He wants to win more than anything else in the world. I think he's going to make a good call here. Yeah, I agree. Okay, one other thing I'm going to throw at you. What if somehow Oklahoma City, and this is a little unrelated, what if somehow they say, hey, we'll take Kevin Love off your hands, but we want Colin Sexton back. What if we work out some type of deal where we don't have to offer a ton and we take Love and Sexton back? And maybe Sexton and Shea work next to each other. I would not necessarily anticipate that being the ideal backcourt pairing for either of them, but at the very least, Sexton's a young guy with value that I think we could get a whole lot more for in half a season or a season from now than what the asking price might be. So what are you giving them that would make them willing to get rid of Colin Sexton? Draft picks. Salary dumping draft picks. We got all the picks in the world. So say we get 18 from Miami. That's probably not enough. 18, a future first, and then we throw in our our, our Euro guy and maybe Horford? It would need... I just think it's got to be someone young, man. They're like... they. Why would they want an older player? They don't need the Euro League MVP. They're not close at all. Because it's better than Kevin Love. (laughs) I just think at this point, if they can get Love off the books, they'll be happy. And maybe they want more for Sexton, but with the stuff that's leaking about Sexton and how they're trying to get him out the door already. (laughs) For love and Sexton. Horford, throw in a first too. I would do it. No, no, Dude, Sexton is a real asset. I don't care how down people are on him right now. He's a guy that can score and he plays defense. He's a real two-way guard, but let's, let's move on here to, uh, the actual basketball that we still got left being played. I'm sure a lot of speculation will be to come over the following weeks once the lottery and free agency and everything else loom a little bit closer. Start with the Bucks and the Nets. This series has been a flat-out shellacking. And I hate to break it to you because you're going to owe me a little bit of moolah, whatever it was we agreed on. But the Coach Bud game plan here, it's just been mind-boggling to me. Because early on in game two, they went to a zone. And I don't know in what world a zone against Kevin Durant and Brooklyn would ideally make any sense. Yeah, you don't want to throw out a zone against a team with a lot of shooters, let alone a seven-foot shooter who can pull up over anyone. Like, all Kevin Durant has to do is just step to the top of the key and pull, and he's got to open three anytime he wants. Not only that, a zone when you have supposedly... The best defensive yeah. team. You got you got Drew Holiday, Giannis Middleton. These are all supposed to be stoppers. Two elite defenders and Giannis and Holiday. Brooke Lopez, who's PJ Tucker, historically who's been be... good protecting the rim, but getting yeah. exposed this series. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. And the other thing that blows my mind too. So the defensive game plan is flat out dog shit. Like everyone can see that. 
on the offensive end, they're trying to go one-on-one a lot. They're trying to go ISO a lot. They're taking pull-up threes early in the shot clock. Like I'm seeing Drew Holiday take multiple pull-up jumpers early in the shot clock, and I don't get it. I don't understand. If you have Kyrie Irving or Joe Harris out there, why on God's green earth are you not just getting one of them switched on to Giannis every possession going ISO, letting him either take him to the rim or back him down, wait for help to come. When the help comes, kick it out and hit the open shooters. If the help doesn't come, you go get a free bucket. Like It's that simple. I, I don't understand why they've gotten so far away from what has worked for them. It's like they saw Harden go down and they thought, oh, we can outdo you now. We're going to play like you and beat you. And that's just asinine. I think Bud's gone after this series. Like, I'm going to go ahead and He's assume, gone now. I'm going to assume now. that the Nets will go on and win this. He's got to be gone. It's it's bad. And the way they came out in game one was just brutal. They, they all looked lethargic. Blake Griffin is making them look soft. He's diving all over the floor, being an amazing glue guy. I love this chapter of Blake's career, quite frankly. The Nets just won it more. That's what it looks like. It's strange because you wouldn't expect that. You'd be like, oh, the Nets are the team that are going to come out there and just try to out-talent you. But no, Blake's giving it his all. Mike James is coming off the bench and getting buckets. How did he end up there? James is a baller. How did he end up there? What I heard is there's actually a lot of people in the league really pissed Pissed off off about it. Yeah, because there was only three Euro guys that teams around the league looked at with. Michich is one. Right. Like one of these three guys we could bring over right now and they would actually help us out. And a lot of teams were thinking like Mike James is under contract. You can't go get him. And somehow Brooklyn did. And it's just a credit to that front office and Sean Marks, because I think a lot of teams assumed he was ungettable. And I don't know what it took, but they got him. And he has been a massive, massive help. Don't know if you don't try. Yeah. Can't buy Can't win the route. What is it? If you don't buy a ticket, you can't win the raffle. Um, okay, just got the notification. Brad Stevens is now uh, looking for head coaching candidates. He's got the permission to start oh. speaking to people. So we'll see what happens there. But have you heard the song Feds Did a Sweet by Future? <laughs> yeah, I have. Nets did a sweep. Oh, my. That's okay. what's about to happen here. We got a sweep inbound 100%. And to be honest, what this looks like to me, Milwaukee came into that Miami series thinking, This is our NBA finals. You know, this is our conference championship. It it was like they exercised the demons. They won the first round and they were good. You know, they got what they came for. And that's just prove that we got over the hump this year by getting bounced in the second round in a sweep. Yeah, Yeah. it's just pathetic to me. I I don't know. I don't know if it's on Bud, if it's on Giannis, if it's on everyone, the front office. But the day of reckoning is coming and they're two losses away. And Bud is going to be out of a job and, uh, I think Milwaukee is going to have to start listening to trade offers for Giannis and not to get back to the speculation here, but Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson sign and trade and uh, three first round picks and Giannis is in Milwaukee or excuse me in Miami. (laughs) I mean, that's hell of a package coming back. Uh, Tyler Hero gets to go to Wisconsin and be the, the hometown hero. You get a young guy in Bam back who has a lot of potential still that's untapped and you get a shooter in Robinson, you know, that package could really work. All right. Um, I'm not going to entertain it right now, but (laughs) I think it's where we're headed though. Um, I think it's where we're headed. Yeah. Not only that, the Nets ball movement has really blown me away. These guys, I mean, 
they look like they're having the time of their lives playing together. Everyone's like, nah, you get a shot up. You get a Looks shot like the up. Drew League, dude. Looks like the Drew League, except less guys trying to go ISO on one-on-one. It's crazy. Like I, I really did think they were going to resort to this kind of ISO ball, getting tight, you know, trying to force up some stuff. And it's been the complete opposite. Not only that, but the Bucks have missed so many assignments. Guys are getting easy cuts to the basket. I just haven't seen a team look this out of sorts. So, you know who deserves a lot of credit? Who? Steve, Steve Nash. Nash. Absolutely. And people can laugh and say, "Oh, you got the best roster in the league." But here's the thing: Brooklyn starting the season with just KD and Kyrie, they weren't even favorites to win at all. Okay, it wasn't until they got hardened that they became the big right. heavy front runners. And even when they still had Jared Allen and Dinwiddie healthy and all these other pieces, they weren't seen as the favorites. And now they have no Harden. They lost all of these guys in the trade. And they did pick up Mike James and Blake Griffin. But those are not earth-shattering, world-changing pieces. And all of a sudden, they look like they don't even need Harden. And they might not lose a game. I mean, I think they (laughs) could literally go undefeated to the finals even if Harden doesn't come back. And Steve Nash deserves a hell of a lot of credit. And he deserves an apology from all the people who said he was unqualified and wasn't going to do a good job. And Dinwiddie's making eight figures. I mean, on the sidelines, like it's unbelievable. Last thing, let's move on. Mm -hmm. Stat of the series through two or through the playoffs, through two games into this series, (laughs) and and the last one, the Nets are shooting 50, 43 from three, and 91 from the line as a team. You are not beating that. Let's move on. Incredible, man. Incredible. So, shout out my guy, Steve. Been a decade since I got to see him in the playoffs, and now I am getting to see the next wave of the Suns and Booker and Chris Paul and this incredible team. Went up 1-0 against the Nuggets, and this looked like a close game until Phoenix just went on an absolute just... I mean, if you're Denver, that's just got to be a most deflating, devastating run. Yeah, I mean, it was like 22-3 to at one point. And that Phoenix crowd, man, absolutely bonkers. If you haven't seen the clip... Look up Tory Craig, Dunk, Phoenix crowd, anything like that. And when they're in the middle of this run, they've got a deep, deep log to Tory Craig, and he goes up and slams it down, and a timeout's taken after. He loves and to I mean, fly, I, like swing his body when he dunks. It was so awesome. <laughs> and the roar from the whole crowd and the the pan back looking at everyone. They zoomed in on the kids going crazy, and you zoom out and just see everyone in there looking like they are having the time of their freaking life. You can hear the sound through the TV. Like, first time that I've been watching a playoff game going, holy shit, I wouldn't want to be the away team right now because that crowd is just next level loud. And it was so much fun to watch, man. It was so much fun. You got to credit Aiton. The Suns decided they were going to go one-on-one. Aiton would drop on screens. minutes. Yep, matches minutes, exactly. I mean, completely mirror him. And they were going to dare Jokic to shoot. They said, if he beats us, that's okay. We are never going to double him. We are not going to let him do his fancy Joker stuff where he's just hitting guys with no-look passes in the corner as soon as the double comes. They're not going to do that. They're going to make him go one-on-one and beat Aiton, and Aiton is up for the freaking challenge. If this dude plays half as good as he did in game one, the Suns are going to win 5-1 or 4, or excuse me, in 5-4-1. I thought they were in trouble, potentially, Coming into the series, I, I didn't really know what to think. I was leaning Suns, but with the MVP, congrats as well. He just won it. 
yesterday, yeah. I believe. Yes. Um, big time. I was just concerned, but yeah, if Aiton is going to come out, put the same exact numbers up as Jokic and stymie him down to 20 points a night, there's no chance the Nuggets win this series. And the real reason why I think is that I've said this before. Everyone on that Suns team knows their job and they do it damn well. And Precisely. the Nuggets have this piecemealed team with Austin Rivers, Compazzo stepping up. They do get Will Barton back tonight. We'll see if right. he can make any kind of impact. It's just not enough. Not no, enough when it, you have that leadership of CP, Monty, and all these guys playing their asses off like Aiden and Jay Crowder. Campaign would, trying to campaign redemption tour. Like campaign looks great, man. He he looks great. And the other thing too is with no Jamal Murray, just plain and simple, dude. The guards and wings for Phoenix are too good. Denver yeah. just doesn't have a chance. I mean, Jokic will have to drop at least 40, and Michael Porter Jr. will have to drop at least 25 or 30 in any game they want to win. It's just it's that simple. It's so much easier for Phoenix to generate offense, and Phoenix is flat out the better defensive team. Just any way you look at it. Yeah. Are there any adjustments you think this the Nuggets should make tonight and going forward? Anything that comes to mind that you think could help them turn this around? Because I don't have any answers right now. I don't really think there's much they can do. I do think Malone needs to have more faith in Michael Porter Jr. And he needs to realize that if they want to win the series. Yeah. I mean, he's not playing in crunch time in the fourth quarter sometimes. That's like, he is your second best player and sometimes the guy who gets his own shot the easiest he needs to be out there and hell if you're worried about him defensively it's too late it doesn't matter like you can't win the game if you don't score you know like I I just don't understand what he's doing there but I think if I'm Denver I try and get smaller guys switched on to Michael Porter Jr. and just go ISO let him pull it from three over him let him drive be aggressive try and get maybe Chris Paul or Devin Booker in foul trouble and that's the route I go get one of the smaller guards switched on him any chance you get. We'll see what happens tonight. Which series you want to hit next? Let's go with the Clips and the Jazz. Okay. This one, game one was played last night. The Clips, honestly, at halftime, I thought they were going to run away with it. I almost went to bed. I felt pretty good (laughs) about it. And honestly, my notes from the first half... Glad Ty Lue has gone small, given Kennard and Mann more run. Jazz have no chance if Ty Lue continues to bring the right game plan. Go small, attack Gobert on the wing, make him look like a fish out of water. That's what I had halfway through the first half. In the second half, everything changed. Everything changed, okay? They gave Zubak more minutes. They weren't as worried about getting Gobert switched onto PG and Kawhi and letting them attack. They stopped running in transition. I mean, they were running off of makes in the first half. I was like, okay, Ty Lue, you got it down. You know what to do. You've got better <laughs> wings and guards. You've got better athletes. Go run. Go run. Give Gobert a tough time. Make it hard for him to get up and down the floor. And then they just stopped in the second half. I mean, Kawhi didn't get any touches. They were spoon-feeding PG, and he was 2 for 14 at one point. I get he needs to make shots for you to win, but at some point, stop giving the guy touches when he can't freaking hit the broadside of a barn, Okay. Like, what, what, do you need 25 shots for him so he can go six for 25? You think that's going to help you win? I just don't get it. And the other thing was, in the Mavs series, especially the games that they closed out, Kawhi was handling the ball down the stretch. He was Mm -hmm. generating the offense. He was making the big decisions. Kawhi was in the corner and got almost no touches the entire fourth quarter. I mean, they showed the stat. 
in the Dallas wins. He was perfect in the fourth quarter. His efficiency literally couldn't be any better. Like literally playing perfect. He was out of his mind in game six. I think they got him maybe two looks, like two decent shot attempts in the fourth quarter. They didn't run anything for him. He wasn't bringing the ball up the court. And I love that Ty Lue finally gave Luke Kennard some run. But hey, maybe you shouldn't close the game with a guy that Donovan Mitchell is getting switched onto him every single time and feeding him bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket. Like, how, how much more do you need to see? Luke Kennard's awesome. Give him run, you know, late first quarter, second quarter. Give him run middle of the third With quarter. Mitchell but when you, <laughs> right, or when you get under five minutes, take him off the floor and close small. I, yeah. I, this is a weird stat, but in any game that Zubak has played more than 18 minutes in the playoffs, they've lost. Right. Like, that's not just random at this point. They are better when they play small. And for the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of the game, Ty Lu seemed to really have it figured out. And then he just threw his game plan away. I, I, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if maybe at halftime, Kawhi and the guys told him like, Ty, we're gassed, dude. We can't keep running and finish this game. We just came off a seven game series with minimal rest. Like we got to slow it down. But even if that's the case, that's just flat out stupid. I'd, I'd rather be exhausted and get the win than be not quite as exhausted with the loss. Like that's just another game you're going to have to play. So one reason they couldn't go as small, Reggie Jackson only played 17 minutes and fouled out early. He right. was huge in the second half of that series against Dallas. He Credit was, but him. you still could have closed with man. Man was right. nowhere to be found at the end of the game. And like take him out and put man in. It's yes, that simple. You still got defender. Rondo who can play too. And I, I liked seeing them close with Rondo, but it's tough to have Rondo and Kennard out there when you got a guy like Donovan Mitchell that can really attack both of them. Like just one of the two, it's more manageable. But Ty Lue, man, anyone in that Clippers front office that genuinely thought this would be an upgrade over Doc Rivers, they should never work in basketball again. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I could not feel more strongly so about we, this. We came down very hard on Ty Lue in the early part of the Dallas series, and he made the adjustments required to win. He did, but if he did his job from the start and came with even a halfway decent game plan, the Mavs probably lose in five or six. Like, There's no reason the Mavs should have got up 2-0 on them when they are by far the better team. Like The other thing, Kawhi didn't guard Donovan Mitchell at all until I, the very end of the game. I think he was so gassed from the last series. That's also I why he wasn't. That's also like, why he wasn't aggressive down the stretch on offense. Like then limit his minutes in the first half so I'm he throwing, can be fresh for the second half. Like it just right. any way you cut it, it's poor coaching. Any way you cut it. You really like to rant about the Clippers. <laughs> They drive me crazy, dude. They are the best roster in the league. I don't you have I don't agree. Two with of that. the best two-way players in the league, and you can't figure it out. Like, I don't know what else you need. What other piece is missing here? You've got it all. You you have the blueprint. You go small. It worked great. I would love to know what the plus minus was when they had no center on the floor because it was probably pretty damn impressive. Here's the thing. The panic button is not even close to being pressed. Utah is no. the number one seed. We right. knew they were good. I may right. have taken some shots at them, but they've looked they've looked They're legit solid. so far. They're solid, and Donovan Mitchell's really good. You know, we know that Donovan is coming up so big when they need him, and that's I mean that's the biggest takeaway from Game One for me. He's been awesome since he came back. He has been Kawhi gassed. 
Ty Lue making the same mistakes he made against Dallas. And that's it. Like, they're going to be fine. I think they come back and win this series, quite frankly. I agree. And I think they win game two. But from a standpoint of if you are gassed and that's the issue and why you changed your game plan so much, then hey, let's not play Kawhi nine or 10 minutes in the third quarter. Let's start him in the third quarter, play him four or five minutes. Then let's give man those minutes and let's still keep the tempo up. Let's still run. And let's make sure that we've got Kawhi locked and loaded, good to go for these last six minutes so he can take over the game and he can shut down Donovan Mitchell. And let's also not make sure, let's also make sure we don't have a liability out there that they can just go get switched on to Donovan Mitchell. Like, it was too easy for them. And Kawhi didn't really try and go over. He didn't try to fight through any screens. It was very clear the Clippers' game plan was to switch everything. Gobert's a pretty good screener as well. Let's just, he is. Let's just throw I mean, it out there. I'm not going to take that away from him, but the Clippers could have done so much more. And it's just, it's so maddening to They're, watch them because you'll see a quarter or two where you go, they got it figured out. They're going to walk to the finals. And then the next quarter, it's like they completely forgot how to play basketball. They are very frustrating to watch. I don't have much else on that game. Um, good performance by the Jazz, though. Yeah, you got to impress Donovan, and especially with no Mike Conley. Donovan did everything you could have asked for. He started a little slow, and I mean, he just freaking turned it on in the second half. I think he had like thirty-two in the second half, and yeah, forty-five on the game. Other thing, seeing D Wade courtside giving him the pointers. I, I just think that's so cool. I enjoy I mean, seeing that. All right. You don't this like maybe it? an unpopular opinion. I think it's corny as hell. I think D Wade wants to be seen. He's doing. He's a part owner. Why would he not sit courtside? Show. He's trying to get on TNT. I D Wade is an all time great, but I don't see him as like this big exuberant personality that I want to hear from nonstop. And like, yes, it's cool that he's a part owner of the team now, Man, but like, why? Hating. Why did he want to be a part owner of the jazz of all teams? Like, because whatever. it's pretty damn difficult to get any type of ownership with the NBA team. I mean, you had an opportunity to get your foot in the door with a franchise that's really good. I mean, it's not like it's the Detroit Pistons, you know, all of a sudden he's a part owner of a team that's they're got a chance to be in the Western Conference finals and in the finals. Like, just, why would you I not hate, be a part owner sitting courtside helping the young guys improve? Team. I hate Utah. This is where this comes from. Like, So if it were anyone else, you would were, like it. If it were anybody else, I would probably like it more like, oh, that's way like giving Trey Young pointers in the ATL. Like, uh, I like cool. Donovan, though, dude. I don't like the Jazz, but I, I really like Donovan. I can't hate on him. I don't know. I, I'm getting some corny vibes from Wade. Okay. That's all. Okay. I thought the cube show was <laughs> a hater. Cool. Like D Wade's an all time grave. It's just it's just weird seeing him in Utah. Hater alert. Hater alert. Racist okay. Utah. Any other thoughts on this series? No. You wanna not give yet. a pick? You wanna give a pick on how many games you got it in? Just for shits and giggles um, on the record? This doesn't feel right considering their history. But I'm gonna take the clips in seven. I'm taking them in six. I think they're fine. I think they steal game two, get home court back. They finish it out at home game six. All right. Let's finish it up here. Hawks Sixers. Yes. Boy, have I loved watching this Hawks team. I'm not going to lie. They might be my favorite playoff watch up to this point. Wow. Dude, everyone on that team can get buckets. Yeah, they're fun. I mean, and they're missing Hunter and Reddish right now who are two 
good bucket getters as well. They're missing Hunter for the rest of the postseason, which was announced today. He's having yeah. meniscus surgery. He was yeah. instrumental in their game five win over the Knicks. That's a, a good huge defender, blow. too. I mean, he's someone that would probably be guarding Ben Simmons or Tobias. Yeah, one of the two without a doubt. And I mean, speaking of meniscuses, Joel Embiid, I owe him an apology. Dude, I wrote the 76ers off. I don't know. And I guess some former pros have come out and said, depending on the severity of it, if it is a very minor tear, like, you know, it's there, but it doesn't inhibit your movement that much. You are still 90, 95% of what you were before. I think a big part of it is mental knowing, hey, when I go up, I might land here and the little tear becomes a big tear. I, yeah. I think that's the bigger part. But if if no one told you that Embiid had a partially torn meniscus, you would have no freaking idea watching him play. <laughs> now, knowing, knowing that it is an issue, every once in a while, I think there's a chance where he could go after a chase down block and he doesn't, or he might try and send someone to the graveyard dunking on him and he lays it up instead. So, some, 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 some little, little stuff like that, like very subtle things, but it has been no issue when it comes to winning for them. When it comes to his stat line, he's putting up MVP numbers like he did all season still. And I think if he continues this play, the Hawks are in trouble. 100% agree with that. I think the real tale of the series is going to be which Trey Young do we get as well because game one, he was doing exactly what he did against the Knicks, creating yeah. all kinds of looks for those shooters. And it all, it was all about who they had on him. Here's the breakdown, which you probably oh, I, have. I this. literally, I've got it right in front of me. That's yeah. what I was going to. Danny Green covered him 49 plays in game one. Tybalt. Fif- Tybalt. 55% of the time, Danny Green was on him. Okay. Tybalt 14, Simmons 8. Then game, that didn't make any sense because going into the series, we're like, oh, they're going to be able to throw Simmons and Tybalt out of all game. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you not put one of your two best defenders on the guy who's going to run the offense and also be the best scorer for the other team? Yeah, let's throw our upright aging three-year-old. like Who loves to get memed sense. on Twitter. Yeah, game two. Simmons, 31 plays. Tyvel, 29. Danny Green, 2. And they slowed Trey Young down. It was that simple. They could not buy a bucket in that yep. first quarter until Gallo yeah, just Simmons, started heating up. Ben Simmons was on him 50% of the time. Right around there. That is 50% Ben Simmons versus 50% Danny Green. That's a huge difference. I mean, we're talking... At this point, Danny Green's probably an average defender, and Ben Simmons is one of the best in the league. So I'm glad Doc made the adjustment. I don't know why he didn't come out game one like that, but I mean, kudos to Philly because they looked looked really good in game two. Every time they would build up a big lead, Atlanta would kind of make a run, and then in the fourth quarter, 76ers just put them away. They just stepped on their throat. Put them away, baby. That's true. Shake really was the key. His shot making, man, that, that was impressive and the confidence after not playing hardly at all in game one to just come in and fill it up was awesome yeah it's kind of strange considering he was thrust into the starting job in the bubble and for them not to go to him at all i mean i know it's a new coach new year you got maxi there but come on i mean the guy was important to your success yeah and it's not like he can't lock up and defend either i mean he's he did Good it enough to me. Defensive end with a really long wingspan. Yeah, we've seen it in person plenty of times. 
Um, yeah, I, I feel good about my Philly and seven pick here. I do think Atlanta steals one or two back home. They're just too talented. And I, I do think Trey will bounce back. Nate McMillan, he'll find a way to get Trey better looks in game three. That's what I'm looking for. But one thing I want to ask you is where does Trey rank amongst the current playoff players? I think he's, he's easily top 10. I mean, is he though? Here's remaining guys, okay? KD, Kawhi, Jokic, Kyrie, Donovan Mitchell. Are those the best guys left? Harden, Booker, Chris Paul. Well, I'm not counting Harden at the moment. Okay. Booker. I'm putting Booker. I got Booker Trae in Young. there. Chris Embiid. Paul, maybe not at the moment. Embiid, definitely. I said Kyrie. Um, I feel like we're missing someone. I think Trey's right up there. He is up there. He is definitely fringe top 10. I just, man, that, that just seems weird to say. It seems weird to say, but I think it's the truth. And if you want to throw in the guys that were eliminated, Dame, Jaw, Tatum, I don't even know if you can count LeBron and AD. Yeah, not the way they played. I mean, they're not, the not way they themselves. Played. Yeah, Trey's probably around 10. I think that's pretty safe to say. You know, you can make an argument for a guy or two on the Bucks, but the way they're playing right now, I mean, Trey's playing better than Giannis. That's the truth. It's crazy. I, I just did not see this arc this early in his career. No, I, I was wrong about him, man. I always thought that he was going to kind of be an empty stats player, but it seems like he's really been a leader for this team and kind of been the engine. You know, he, he is a higher motor than I realized. And hearing guys like Draymond come out and say like, yeah, he's a big shit talker. Like not afraid of the moment. His mouth. No, not afraid of the moment at all. You had to love what you saw in the Knicks series. I mean, I am not a Trey Young fan by any standard, but you tip your cap and you give props to what he did in New York and the taking the bow on the logo at the end of the series and everything. It was just incredible, dude. Absolutely incredible. Facts. You got anything else on this one? No, sir. That is all I got other than uh, I think I'm wrong about my Hawks and seven. I would walk that one back if I could right about now. Is that what you had? I believe I did. Well... The DeAndre Hunter thing really flew under the radar. I didn't even realize he was going to be out game one. I didn't either. I, I didn't think he was hurt. Uh, yeah, I guess it's related to the knee injury he had early in the season. And they're yeah. like, you're I'm sure he got another MRI. And, we don't yeah. want to screw up next year. Yep. Which is kind of what I thought the Sixers might do with Embiid. But that's just a totally different scenario. Because the Sixers can't win without him. And the Hawks could still hypothetically win without Hunter. Little little different scenario there. Yeah. Any other NBA notes? Any other thoughts you got here? Rest in peace, Nate Bjorkgren. Yeah, he's done so. Did he get canned today or is it yeah, still in the works? Yeah, he's out. Uh, that was yeah, that was kind of inevitable. What did you think about the Kimba stuff coming out today? Did you see all that? Oh, uh, a mutual was, parting of He was hurt by Ainge, and he has hard feelings that Ainge included him in trade talks and Be is better. butthurt that Be they better. threw him on the table. Yeah, dude, if when you, you go sign a $40 million yearly deal, like you can't suck. Every one of these guys says, it's a business. Well, well, it's a business. Play to the value of your deal, and you won't get thrown in trade talks. Or... I mean, like, if you're CJ, it's just unfortunate that you're two undersized guards in the same backcourt and can't defend. Like, I'm sorry, but that's yep. just that's just what it is. Like, come on, Kimba, we've seen yep, you that's ball. Facts. That's it. That's facts. That's 
that's all I got too. All right, we'll be back next week with a little fantasy and uh, some more playoff action. Y'all know the drill. Leave us that five-star rating. Give us that like on social media. And uh, that's all we got. Peace. <laughs>